My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script. I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it. I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot. I even got a famous classic case of writer's block. Get it out of my head. Get it out of my head. Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today, ready, is Christina Nicole, Danielle Pinnock, Deanna Brower, Glenn Lawrence, Kenneth Benervell, Latifa Holder, Mario Kersey, Marky Inojosa, Michael Kilgore, Seamus Heffernan, and Tony Gapastioni. Hello, everybody. Unmute yourself and say hi. Hi. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, hey. Oh, my God. Okay. No, mute yourself again. Because <laughs> we, are, we are coming to you through Zoom. And these wonderful writers stepped up because this morning I just put out on Twitter, hey, who wants to be on the podcast at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time? Which means for many of these people who are on, they are doing this late at night, including one guest who is doing this all the way from Sweden, where it is 4 30 in the morning. We are going to take some questions. And uh, I think in all fairness, we should start with the guy from Sweden, don't you? All right, Sweden guy. Kenneth, how are you? Hello, I'm tired. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so I know, I know you said you would do this. And then you were like, Oh, what have I done? But but you made it. You look great. I appreciate it. Um, Kenneth, I know that you've been in class with me before, so you've asked questions already, but what can I help you with? What, what question is still pressing on your brain? Yeah, so the class I went to with you, we did some outlining and such, and that really shed some light on things. Um, but I still feel like I'm stumbling in the dark a bit with like dialogue. Mm -hmm. So whenever I write dialogue, it feels kind of forced because, uh, as I understand it, we should only say what they need to say in order to push the story forward. We don't want like unnecessary dialogue. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, yeah. What The reason that we focus so much on outlining in that early stage is so that you know what has to happen, right? And then we go into, you know, what is the, the action of the scene? What's the story of the scene? And then... We we let people talk because what comes out will organically come out. You won't be leaning the scene on the dialogue. So they're talking their way through it, and then you're adding the action. It comes organically out of the action. So look, whatever people need to say is probably what they need to say. I don't want you to have to hold your characters back if their personality is such that they would say even a direct thing in that scene. Maybe that's just how they talk. But by not having the dialogue first, you're probably in better shape than you think you are. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I kind of feel like it's very forced and blunt though, that they do only say what, like very directly what they need to say. Um, so it doesn't really sound natural all the time. 
Um, so, so the idea of being forced and blunt isn't really what this is about because that means that you're probably being on the nose. You're probably saying exactly what the truth is. So here's somebody, they're in a scene, they're saying what organically comes to their mind, but we don't often say exactly what we mean. Sometimes we say the, off- the opposite. We couch it in a lie. Sometimes we joke about things. Sometimes we're trying to distract somebody. So if it feels blunt to you, you may be being too direct. Okay. And I want you to think of those verbal strategies, like I just said, distraction, joking, lying, things like that. And that may help you. Does that, does that work? Uh, yeah, I guess all my characters should speak in riddles. Is that it? No, <laughs> no, but maybe, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm maybe just kidding. one of, maybe one of your characters speaks in riddles though. You know, yeah, yeah. you can assign these different verbal strategies to different characters as well. One guy speaks in riddles. Another guy is always joking. Um, uh, A woman is constantly interrogating, you know? And if you know that that's their verbal strategy in a scene, it makes for some really interesting dialogue. Okay? So try that out. Yeah, just um, more character development, I guess. Their own, like, personal... Right, right. Yeah, if you know their personalities then that will lend itself to, to truer dialogue. So may, you're absolutely right. Maybe do the character work first. Who are they? Sort of what are their physical rules? What are their verbal rules? You know, what's their perspective? And then when they talk, it's not going to feel like you're just giving information and being blunt. Okay? Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Thank you, Kenneth. I appreciate it. We are going to go to Christina Robinson. Hello, Christina. Christina is coming Howdy. to us from Atlanta. Hi. Hi. So um, for me, my question was about writing scenes where the background kind of fades away. Um, I was trying to figure out if in doing and trying to write a scene like that, if that's really more directing on paper, because it's definitely what I would want to see in the film. But um, just trying to figure out the logistics of how you write, how like people are in the midst of a conversation and then everything else feeds away just trying to figure out oh i see what you're saying right um but what you're doing like pride and prejudice what you're really doing is is you're directing so you're Uh, you're a director which is awesome i would like to see you direct (laughs) but in the writing stage when you're just trying to communicate the story if the reason the background's fading away is because like somebody's just suddenly so caught up in another person because they're just in love with that person, if that's the the kind of deal, then you want to speak to the love and the emotion in that scene. You know, if somebody's feeling like the background's fading away because suddenly they're, they're feeling overwhelmed, you would write that, you know, you know, overwhelmed, they do something. And then if the director chooses to fade the background in order to visually complement that, great. And they'll understand that that might be an interesting device because they see how overwhelmed or how in love the main character is. Got it. Yeah. Okay, because I was just trying to write a scene where the two characters are having a conversation and it feels like they're finishing each other's sentences and that it is just kind of everything is fading away except the characters and them kind of like one, like talking at almost at the same time, but like, again, finishing each other's sentences, like one word is one character and then the next word is the next, but it sounds like one thought. 
Okay, so there's, there's a couple of ways to do that. So that doesn't have to do with visually fading the background so much as cutting each other off. So you can do it a couple of ways. You could do dash dash, basically. And then when, it, when you see a dash dash and then the, the next line picks up, it means they're interrupting. Okay. So that's a really easy way to sort of just step on each other's lines. Another is dual dialogue. And dual dialogue is when, and if you're like in final draft, there's even like a little shortcut for it. You'll literally see both characters on, on talking at the same time in, in two sides of the page, but you have to be careful because it sounds like cacophony. You know, it sounds, it, it, it sounds the way it looks. So you really only want to use this in a sparing way when, when you do, right. do it. We have a couple of actors who are in this group here, and they can probably attest the fact that, like, if the dialogue is getting, like, at the same time, and they have to talk literally over each other and constantly have to do that, it's probably going to sound mm-hmm. a little bit crazy. Okay. Gotcha. All cool. right. Um, how, how are things yeah. over in Atlanta right now? Um, things are fine i i try not to leave the house uh almost ever because too many people aren't being socially distant and they're not wearing masks so i i left the house i leave the house like once a week for groceries that's it otherwise it's just me in the room with my computer doing work well i'm glad you're being safe yeah and, and you, know, you know, what we always say is like, if only somebody would just force me in a room, you know, in front of my computer and force me to work and like lock the door so I don't leave the house. And then we got it. Right. So now we're, <laughs> we're working. Thank you, Christina. Right. I appreciate it. Thanks. So we've got Deanna, Deanna Brower. Hello. Hi there. And Deanna Brower is from Kansas City, Missouri, and I have consulted yes. with her a couple of times. She is yes. has become such a strong writer. So Deanna, uh-huh. I know we talk a lot, but what question could I have possibly not answered at oh, this point? I feel kidding? like I'm not doing I'm, my job. What What do you no, need? I would love to just sit down and pick your brain for uh, as long as you could take it. That's a I'm short a conversation really excited. Right no, I'm really excited to be here. I listen to your podcast religiously every week. Oh, so cool. Yeah. So, so, what, so uh, I have a lot of questions and I guess one of them, and I hope it's not too broad, mm-hmm. um, but when I'm reading script, when I'm reading other people's scripts and when I'm thinking about concepts and so forth, I'm, I, I, I can tell there's a difference between really great movie TV show script and one that is just stellar and, you know, something that's just, wow, just knocks people's socks off. And it's that like Genesis Qua, right? There's, I'm curious about going from one place to the next. What, what little pieces, like what are those pieces that, take it from one place to the next. Okay, so, well, there's sort of two parts to your question. So the first is, you can tell when something's stellar, right? What that means is, you can tell when something's stellar. So, because you're already doing that analysis, you can dig in and say, why? Why is it really affecting me right now? What is it that suddenly made me go, oh, this is good? You know, what was it? Mm -hmm. Was it, you know, because somebody... um, 
got you involved in a story with a question and you do, you really want it answered, but they're kind of keeping that answer from you? Is it because the the chemistry between two people is just fascinating in the way that maybe they speak in a coded language? You know, you can do that analytical work. Mm. So the second part of the question was transitions. Like, how do you move from one thing to another? Was that what it is? Well, I, I'm just curious about some of those aspects. And I know some of them from a book level, like great, great dialogue, have um, characters that have a lot of richness to it. So I was just kind of curious about um, your take on going from really great script to something that's wow. Ah, okay. And Okay, so I think it does come back to what's wowed you. So, do you have an yeah. example of a of a script that you recently read where you're like, "Oh, that is great." What like do you do you remember what script it was or what moment it was? Oh, yeah, and and I'm going to take a cue from other people that have talked in the past that now I'm still on the spot. But you know what? The first thing that comes to my mind that's really fresh, right? That's mm-hmm. that's a, a term is is Atlanta. That just wow! That um, Westworld, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So think about the, um, both I'm, of those things, right? In the pilots, like we were really, really, really caught up, right? So, and with that Atlanta, what I loved about about the pilot of Atlanta is it comes in without tons of setup. We come into into scenes where the the characters already have established relationships, and we figure out what their relationship. Mm-hmm is what their history is by how they're interacting with each other. You don't have, it's not a a lot of, well, let's everybody meet each other. You know, we get like the rule of him and his girlfriend right away. You know, they're in bed and you get a sense of their history together, how long they've been together, you know, um, what some of the rules of their relationship is just by putting them in bed together. Now with Westworld, Mm. right, where it is more of like, you've really got to, teach us what that world is. And, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many layers, so many layers that by the yeah. last season, I was like, oh, forget it. But <laughs> yeah, I know. it just wears you out. <laughs> right. But what I would look for in Westworld Pilot is how they're telling these consecutive storylines, right? How they're setting you up with a beginning, middle and end for the different layered storylines in that pilot. So you can see what is going on in Westworld, sort of behind the scenes, what's going on with a visitor, what's going on with a bad guy. And we're following those three storylines in that pilot. And then we're having some surprises as to how they'll all converge, you know? Um, And that surprise, if I remember right, was even by the end of the pilot... I don't know if any of you guys yeah. are Westworld yeah. fans, but I think, I think so. that there was already, yeah, there was a flip at the end of the pilot. So we're watching yeah. those stories converge and then it's like, oh, and then they, they all, they're all married this way. Okay. So <laughs> I would just, again, like ask yourself, why okay. is it working for you and how are they doing it? Sure. Okay. Cool. Thanks so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Latifah. Hello, Latifah in New York City. And I just got to consult at the beginning of a project with Latifah as well. Very excited about it. So what's going on with you, Latifah? I mean, yeah, thank you for consulting with me. I feel like I've learned so much already, even from um, 
from our first session. Yeah, we're doing um, story script and all we did was break story, but it was really fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my question really is, I feel like uh, with two of my characters, like uh, uh, the main character and her partner, I'm, I'm realizing with all the different changes and where I've been going with the script, I've lost some of their like love or the thing that makes them exciting or the, the thing that connects them. Like I'm finding like I'm, when I'm, when it's time for me to write their dialogue, it's like, it's static to me. Like I'm not, um, I'm not inspired by their relationship in any way. And I've been wondering like what, what kind of tips could you give on like, is it an activity they need to be doing? Is it something that I need to dig deeper into their characters, you know what I mean? And who they actually are and then have to see what, you know, comes out of that organically or like what you feel about that. Well, I think, gosh, you, you said a word in there and then I, I lost it. It was, it was the perfect word. It had to do with connections and um, you know, what, what bonds them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I think, look, to that code that they have with each other. So mm-hmm. that that shared passion, a shared interest, a common language in terms of the profession or stage of life that they speak. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do they even, you know, share a nerd interest, you know, and they're speaking comic book um, or they're quoting lines from shows, you know? So we can start to see that chemistry emerge because of that shared passion. And when you have a shared pa- passion or interest with some something, sometimes mm-hmm. it, it extends to each other. So I think that's always a great way to connect each other. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes as, as relationships get deeper, it's not about the shared interest or passion that connects them to begin with right? And that coded language in it, it becomes shortcuts in their relationship, rituals, um, traditions that they have, um, Mm -hmm. uh, finishing each other's sentences. Um, So, so it really depends on what stage they are at the, at, at their relationship. But I think that might give you something to think about. Okay. You Mm -hmm. don't have to go into their backstory and who you, you already know who they are. You know, you know what their voice is and their interest is, but why are they connecting with this person? Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. does that help out? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Okay, cool, good. Thank you, Latifa. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna keep you on for a second. If you are looking at these two people and they do sort of share a passion or an interest or speak a common language, what would that be? It's a good question. I feel like it is you. You struck on something the the nerdy the nerdiness like of them. I feel like they're very who they are. Like I feel like she's a very direct. Like she is like the black girl gamer. Uh-huh. The the person who's like, all right, let's play this video game really quick. Instead of it's like get off that video game. They play together. Uh-huh. So I'm just trying to find, you know what I mean. I'm trying to find different things that not only they connect with, but still seems like. Because I feel like when I do write my different characters, it, it's always in, it's kind of like how Deanna was saying, like how Atlanta, it comes in, in, you're already in the relationship. And I think that's how we meet all of my characters. We're already, they already know who they are and everybody, the audience is catching up to who they are and figuring out these relationships. So, yeah, I think it is this, it's a quirkiness, it's an awkwardness, but like, it's still a lot of love. There. I would love to see those two playing a game and it's like foreplay or they're, pl- you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're playing, yeah. they're playing their video game and it's their version of foreplay 
or they're playing their video game and it's their dance, you know, or they're playing a video game and that, like, how do you flirt while you're playing a video game? You know, Mm -hmm. clearly I have Mm -hmm. no answers because I do not play video games, but I suspect many of you do have those answers, people who are listening. Okay. Thank you so much, Latifi. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Michael, hello. Hi. Hello. And Michael is from New York City as well. And I do not know how to for, how to do foreplay playing video games at all either. So <laughs> there is all, I was, you know, I can't this is a podcast on screenwriting. There's only so much I can answer. <laughs> I don't, and nobody write me and tell me how. Okay, <laughs> I don't really want to know. You sure you don't want to know? Because it might you might be able to use it. <laughs> so I teach it, not do it, my friend. <laughs> so, um. I am working on a um, on my first ever pilot, and I'm very excited. And Yay. I'm trying to throw literally everything at the wall, so it's probably going to be nuts. Um, but it's about this young black chef who's queer and who's trying to find love and balance his life. My question is that I'm um, I've I've um, envisioned this um, cold open that feels more like when every time I go to write it, it feels like I'm directing it instead of writing it. And I wonder how you, how you take off the director hat and just have on the writer hat when there's not a lot of dialogue and it's a lot of miming and action. So first of all, I want you to stop thinking of it as a cold open. That's, that's a problem because you're like, this is what's going to happen right before the music and the titles and, you know, all that kind of thing. So stop thinking of it in terms of stylistic and start okay. thinking of it as I'm starting my story. Okay. I am starting my story. And it just so happens that this person is in the middle of doing this activity when it happens. Okay. And so if you think of it maybe as the start of the first act and not the cold open, then when you're done, you can go back in and go, you know what, this scene now is what I want. And now I'm going to give it sort of that music and energy, like stylistically, maybe I'll add a few adjectives, or I'll work down the page, or I'll take out a line, something that gives it that sort of nonverbal energy that I wanted. But write it first, like you're just writing the first page of your story. Girl, you just made my whole week <laughs> okay. that fast. I'm about to make you a pound cake. Oh, that was good. I really love pound cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you could just send me the recipe for the pound cake, because I really like to bake, that oh, would be okay. awesome. Would, that, would you do that? I can do that for you. We're okay. about to be friends. Okay, great. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to move on to Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Good. Now you have sort of a professional-looking setup there. You've got like a fancy mic, and you look—you look like a radio DJ person. Um, yeah. Did you well, ever do anything like that? Is that—is that in your in your profession or past? You know, I've no, I haven't done radio, but I've spoken on a lot of podcasts. So <laughs> maybe that counts. Ah, uh, I don't there you know. go. Yeah, I do. I do um, prof- like technical work, so I know a lot about you know the board, microphones, all this type of stuff. So I know how to look the part. It's been over 600 podcasts for me and I still have no idea what I'm doing. So oh, I will well, you call you sometime. Thank you. Which, which by the way, everybody, uh, if you need um, to learn how to do uh, foreplay via video game as level up, I could help you do that. I could get you some foreplay power-ups. 
um, <laughs> if anybody needs. Oh my goodness! Sure. Where this show has gone? All right, all right, Glenn. We get, we got to move on to your question because otherwise, we're, yeah, no we're worries. Going down uh, a my, rabbit hole. So my right. Uh, my question uh, has to do with uh, how do you go from uh, high something a high concept idea where that you have mapped out outlined kind of the the kind of creases in the story and bring it down and make it something that's relatable realistic authentic or and uh, human how do you or do you have any tips for that well first of all the fact that you know that is is you know, half the battle. A lot of times people will be like, it's high concept and we're in space and there are flying unicorns and, you know, we're in a time machine. Like there's just too many things happening at one time. So, so you're absolutely right. High concept with everything else sort of being grounding factors, right? Because it's not high concept. There is no twist if everything's crazy. So, so I would just sort of, you know, think about that high concept what makes it a new normal? So what is representing the old normal around it? Can I actually ask you, uh, do you have a log line of, of yours that that uh, is high concept that you're working on? Uh, I do, but I don't have it in front of me right now. That's, That's okay. I, do, I would, I would uh, um, pull it up. but um, Are you okay about sharing the idea if you just say it's, it's about? I, I guess. Will everybody give me like a pinky swear that they won't take? <laughs> yeah, all of everybody who's listening right now, all the listeners uh, are, are pinky swearing it. But, so, yeah. So the so the the concept is um, left uh, left alone. Uh, artificial intelligence um, protocol replicates itself to the point where it's able to create its own body unbeknownst to the world um, by using different forms of like finance and purchasing buildings and, and, and whatnot and hiring all through like this algorithm so that it could replicate itself and make itself a, a real human um, with the, with the intent of, of um, you know, um, I guess sa- saving the world to some degree, just like every other machine versus man, um, idea, but the the cool thing about this is uh, humans, basically us, we are relegated to inputting data. Um, like that's that's our main function. So it it basically wants you to input data to so that it can become more human. Um, I, I I love this idea, um, and of course, if we're all thinking about it every day, but I yeah. but you know that idea first of all that you know that that computers are replicating themselves in a, in a, a way they are, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that they're grabbing their, you know, it's not just, oh, let's let's get a bunch of tin cans and put them together. It's the finances and travel and it's all those things in order to create this. Yeah. I think that's that's so interesting. Also, the fact that we're, we're literally serving them and may not know it. So mm. what I would be looking for is, okay, so who's your main character? Your main character probably lives in a grounded world where he or she has to figure out that this is going on, I would assume. Or who is your uh, main character? What do they do? Right now, as 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 uh, written or or thought out, I guess the main character is the actual AI. Okay, well, so that's that is uh, if you if that character is an AI, are we in the AI's world? Are we? I mean, you said they're the main character, so are we looking mm-hmm. through their point of view? Uh, yeah, yeah, 
it's um you're you're well you're seeing the cre- well the creator of the protocol um steps away and then you just see the the replicating happening um throughout the throughout the the film see so. i think you've got a scene and you've got a world but i'm yeah. not sure yet that you've you've said like okay no it's about this like you've got you've got right what happens and it feels mm-hmm. like you know a major obstacle and i love the fact that we can see from the computer's point of view but i wonder if it really is that the the computer is, is the main character i wonder if okay. the person who walks away isn't the main character because okay. that person had no idea what they just started so it could be interesting that that person has to spend the movie realizing it figuring out what to do about it next, ultimately how to stop it. Maybe does he join it? You know, that person, you know, could be our grounding factor. Okay. So world is great. I want you to be thinking about, you know, and in a world where now we're following this kind of person. Okay. Okay. All right. So does that somewhat answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. In a world. Thank you, Glenn. Oh, and Glenn is from uh, the Washington, D.C. area. He is from Arlington, Virginia. We are moving on to Tony Gepistione. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Tony. And he is okay. in San Francisco. So, That's right. again, Tony, you just took a whole class of mine. So, what possible question do you have? What can I answer? Can't get enough. Can't get enough. Okay, so this feature I'm working on. It's a dramedy, and the mother of this affluent family overdoses at Thanksgiving and is in a coma over Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, her adult children have to reconcile her attempted suicide and coma retrospectively. But in the script, I have this fantastical kind of realism where she wakes up in the coma to each of them separately and talks to them. On the page... How do I communicate that um, she is taking on their point of view or their way that they see her, not just who she is as a full character? She comes off in different ways. Like sometimes she's the bitchy mother. Other times she's the, the doting, caring mother. Other times she's super numb and really blunt without saying on the page that each time she wakes up, blah, 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 blah. Any thoughts on that? What a cool device. What a really cool device. Um, because that is how we look at our parents, right? Right. They're, they're always talking to us in the way that, in the personality we've assigned to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be just as easy as if you have that scene one-on-one um, that, you know, uh, mom, you know, mom opens her eyes, you know, and and talks to them. And if you make her personality as distinct as you're describing it, we'll catch on. We'll be like, wait a minute, she was so nice here, and she's so mean here, you know, and she's so worried about X here that we will get it. So you don't have to spoon feed us with, you know, now mom is a doting mother, right? Mm -hmm. She's just Mm -hmm. going to to speak that way, you know, and also that idea of sort of maybe um, a cohesive... something that happens where she always does the same thing. Like I said, maybe she always opens her eyes, talks, closes them. And then, you know, we realize we're back in reality. So as long as you're, you're consistent about that, I think, I think it would work. 
Copy that. Okay, cool. I've seen some scripts where they put a little thing in the very beginning. I don't need to do something like that. Like in this script, it's no. just kind of really obvious. No? Okay, cool. I'm not in love with, with that. I, I think usually when people are doing that, they really don't need to. I okay. think the reader is smart. I think that the audience is smart and we will pick up on it. You know, if there's, if there's an, again, enough consistency with it, it's not just a random thing. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. We are moving on to Danielle. Danielle Pinnock, who was the star of the last podcast. And I cannot get enough fan letters about you. People are like, oh my God, Danielle, the Jenny Craig moment. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. So, and uh, yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the Jenny Craig moment, you have to go back to the podcast before this with Danielle Pinnock and Kimberly Hebert and uh, hear their discussion because it was fabulous. So Danielle's back for more for some reason. Um, I'm addicted. Oh my I'm addicted. Goodness. Goodness. So what can I do for you, Danielle? What, okay. what are you interested in? Okay. So Pilar, um, in the quarantine, I've realized that in in LA, people have been playing a ton of bald headed games. Nobody's wearing their mask. Everybody has me shook. So I have literally been in the house. I've only gone to the grocery store twice since March 12th. And I'm kind of developing a little agoraphobia. And in like the weirdness of the quarantine, my, as you know, I've come from a huge Jamaican family. A lot of them are in Canarsie in Brooklyn. And we've done a ton of Zoom weddings, Zoom baby showers. I just went to a gender reveal like three hours ago. And the weirdest one to date was a Zoom funeral for our family dog, Larissa. I'm sorry. I'm, now, I'm not laughing. It's just, it's please laugh because it was, it was comedy. And Latifah, that's my best friend in the middle there. Latifah knows Larissa. Larissa walks with a limp. Like, I don't even know where they got this dog from in the first place. I was like, y'all, but she's been with us for over six years. She, oh, she stayed in the house. And I think out of anybody in my family that was agoraphobic, it was Larissa. Like, she did not like to go on walks. She was very bougie. She liked to stay inside. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm developing my first animation because, A, as an actor, I lost my job on set once quarantine happened. And I've been doing a ton of animation. It's foolproof. I can do it right in my closet. And it can provide a lot of jobs to actors. So I'm doing um, an animation in Ode to Larissa about an agoraphobic service dog who's thrust into the spotlight uh, when she's newly adopted by a celebrity dog show trainer. So good log question, line. <laughs> really okay. good. Very nice. Listen, I, I learned it. I learned it from you. <laughs> like Whitney Houston said, <laughs> but um, my question is with animation, because I've never written it before. Um, what are some of the rules? And in this world, should I have humans or should the focus be primarily on the animals in the show? The focus is really up to you. You can include it okay. humans if you want or not. You know, it, okay. it really depends. So if, it, if it's an all animal show, it's fine. It's just you're going from their point of view. So it doesn't mean that humans yeah. don't exist. It just means that we're in the worlds that the animals would be in, right? At the dog mm. park, where, whatever. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just, we're on their level and we're just hearing from them. Okay. Okay. Um, one, I guess, as far as writing it goes, you're writing it, the format looks the same. 
Okay, you're writing mm-hmm. it like you're writing a, a TV show or a, a feature. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing to remember is you made them animals for a reason. So I'm yes. always struck by people who have animals and then don't do animal-like things. So um, I'm going to give an example from from yesterday. I don't think that she'll mind. I had a, a client and she had a skunk who was a graffiti artist. Okay, and that was fun, right? But yeah. can you imagine what my note was to her about like how the skunk might graffiti? If, yeah, it has to be through the stench. Has to be exactly the tail. right, right, <laughs> right. So the skunk was using a spray can, and I was like, nope. "Why use a spray can when the skunk is a spray can?" Right. So it's mm. it's that kind of thing that I want you to be thinking about with your animals or your objects. What actually gives them, you know, these sort of superpowers? These interesting human things we do, but they do it in animal like ways. Okay. Okay. That's All right. Perfect. Good. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see this. It's a great idea. <laughs> and and as usual, Danielle, like pitched the hell out of it because not only people who are listening, not only did she have a great log line, but she had this inspiration that then led to the log line. She talked about her own dog and what he was like and that that's why she is writing this animated show about this agor- agoraphobic service dog, etc. So we were already listening to her story. It really personalized it for us. And then we went into this awesome idea. Thank you, Danielle. I appreciate it. We're going to move on to Marky Inoha. No, darn it. Marky Inohosa. Inohosa. Close? Hi there. Hi, Marky. I say that right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, And Marky's in New York City. It's so nice to meet you. Um, So I just finished, not just finished, but a couple months ago, uh, finished a feature length screenplay that I had been working on for like years, like left it alone, came back to it, eventually like found inspiration to finish it. Um, But it's still like, I'm worried that it's long. Um, You know, people that I've had read it um people things that i've read online just say like keep it shorter like not so short but you know like my first revision was like or my first draft was like 150 pages i was like gotta cut it up you know um and and i got it low i got it down to now it's at like 115 but it still feels very like wordy in the scene descriptions maybe sometimes my dialogue is just too like scenes are too long so i wanted to know if you had any like sure like practices that can trim up your screenplay. Yeah. That's basically sure. Well, there's the, there's the old rule that, you know, come in late, leave early, which I think was William Goldman. I'm not sure, but it's the idea that you come in, uh, you know, shortly before the conflict and you leave on a question. You don't uh-huh. need all of that. Hi, how you doing? Can I sit here? Uh, what are you ordering? What's your name? You know, you don't need any of that, right? Mm-hmm. We can come in on an action. We can come in on a provocative line and go, okay? So it might be you have too many introductions. And yeah. once you've hit that great button, you know, get out. Get out. Leave us on, oh, that's a thoughtful moment. I wonder mm-hmm. how, what she's going to do next. Um, instead of maybe playing it all the way through. So come in late, leave early. That's always an easy one. For your action, if you feel like your action is overwritten, um, you know, mm-hmm. 
maybe you have too much choreography. And I've probably given yeah. this example before on the podcast, but I will give it again. And it is this. Uh, the phone rings. She walks to the phone. She picks up the phone. She puts it to her ear. Hello? Mm-hmm. Okay. So instead yeah. of just saying she answers the phone, all right, we don't need all the choreography that got you there. So look yeah. at that. It could be that. And sometimes you've got all the choreography and it could be pl- replaced with a verb. Okay. So look at your verbs. Are your verbs doing your job? Okay. Doing their job. With the dialogue, it could be that they're over explaining. Again, going back to Kenneth's first question, game playing. You know, how are people manipulating each other with their words, not necessarily maybe, you know, talking with QA? Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's informational, but it's not always interesting. Okay. I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, we are going to move on to Seamus Hefferman. Heffernan. Hello, Seamus. Hi, how are you? Good, good. And Seamus is in Point Moody, British Columbia. Uh, Port Moody. Port, Port Moody. I can't read my handwriting. It's so That's bad. quite all right. Port Moody, British Columbia. How are things over there? And can I come visit and maybe stay for a while? Uh, unfortunately, our border is closed indefinitely to our southern neighbors. You are so smart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, things are actually uh, uh, going okay uh, here. Uh, BC has done a pretty good job of flattening the curve. Uh, there's been some slow, responsible reopenings for things like pubs and restaurants. It doesn't feel anywhere near like normal life just yet, but it's a little bit. And I wanted to say hi to everybody else who's on here tonight. It's uh, I never would have gotten to hear or uh, I guess, sort of meet you all, if not for this opportunity. Isn't that so. so cool? It's so cool. I mean, it's the best part of my job is all these people from all over the country and the world. It's, yeah, it's awesome. I, right? liter- I literally just saw your tweet today and on a whim just sent you an email. I think, well, there's no way I'm going to get on. I know. Then, oh, I know. Oh. Well, I literally just sent it this morning. So there, we're even. <laughs> so Seamus, what is your question uh, well, I'm working on a, a TV pilot project. Um, I'm, I'm a novelist who's hoping to move into uh, television. Uh, and it's a 30-minute it's a uh, dramedy uh, based in part on my old life. I used to work in politics. I used to work in political campaigns. And I worked for a member of parliament, which is, I guess, kind of the equivalent of your guys' uh, congresspeople up there or down there. And so some of it's based on some of the things I saw, and some of it, of course, is based on nothing, and some of it is just comedic exaggerations thereof. Uh, I have a, a, a structural question, because um, I've been looking at outlining, and uh, and the more notes I've been getting, the more I've been hearing about how important format is, that uh, if you make a mistake with format, uh, it's almost one of the first things that's going to get your script uh, thrown out. And uh, the goalposts seem to be changing quite a bit <laughs> as regards format. Uh, my question in regards format is, in this uh, streaming age, uh, how important is for your pilot script to have very clear breakdowns of teaser, act one, act two, act three, uh, for a new reader? Um, so, so there are two schools of thought on it. Um, there, you, you weren't, know, you weren't going to make this easy. No, that's, I wasn't because the, that's you know, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what those schools are and, and what I think actually works best. There, um, there is the, um, don't do it cause it's not cool. Don't put any act breaks on it at all because, you know, streaming, HBO, Showtime, blah, 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 doesn't have uh, actual commercials, which is what act breaks were for. Then there's the school of thought of 
yeah, it's TV. There's no reason not to put it on. We can always take it off later. Now, from what I've seen with my clients, I was I usually err on the side of, why don't you put them on? And the reason is that it is a cheat for readers. You won't get the note, I'm not really seeing the show. I'm not really seeing the act breaks. Is there a turn here? Because in a way, the act breaks babysit them through it. They see that act break. And then we know we're in act two because it says so at the top of the page. Okay. So I guess the bottom line is, if it doesn't feel right to you, you don't have to do it. But if you are debating it, I think it it uh, it makes for sort of it, it looks like TV when people are reading it. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. I, I would add one more thing, which is when you're structuring it, when you're outlining it, no matter what you're going to do with what you show on the page, you need to pretend the act breaks are there, because right. because that is the better way of of telling your story. You've heard, you know, just Liz Tigelar on on this show uh, a couple weeks ago, just talking about like, she's a big one for act breaks, you know, even if there isn't a commercial because she knows that she can leave on a cliffhanger or a question and it will keep you interested and in going to the twist of the next act. Right. So, thank you, Seamus. I appreciate it. No thank you kindly for having me. So you guys, I think we got through everybody's questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, Christina, you started at the top, but now you're at the bottom, but we did get to your question, right? Yes. 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 Okay. So, um, I, first of all, I just have to thank you guys so much for being here. Um, you know that I usually end with asking the guests if they're on social media, whether they'd like to be followed or if there's anything that they'd like to promote. Um, and so I am happy to do that with you guys since you're all, creators. And then some of you might be like, no, leave me alone. I don't want to, <laughs> nothing. Okay. Which is absolutely fine. I respect that as well. So I'm going to start with Kenneth Benerval from Sweden. Kenneth, um, are you on social media? Would you like to give any of your handles? I am on social media, but I think I'm good. You but think thank you anyway. <laughs> but leave me alone. Okay. Well, when <laughs> when you uh, have a project to promote, you let us know and we'll, we'll let everybody know then. Okay? All right. Thank <laughs> yeah, you, Kenneth. Sure, sure. All right. Kenneth's in for a big nap after this. Okay. So, Deanna from Kansas City, uh, are you on social media and, and or have any kind of project that you want to promote? Yes. Hi. Um so uh, my Instagram handle is Dania Darling, D-A-N-Y-A, Darling. And um, projects that I want to promote, I'll just, I'll just be quiet about that for now. Okay. All right. So it would be like, like, like the fancy guests that are like, I cannot talk about that right now, right? That yeah, always I, means... I can't reveal anything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, no, not right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the deal. Latifa, Latifa. Um, at, from New York City, is there anything that you would like to promote or any uh, social media that you'd like anybody to follow? Um, yeah, my social media, I, I'm pretty, I'm more active on Twitter. So my handle there is Tifa, so T E E F A T uh, 1329. 
um, on Twitter. So you can find me there. And um, I don't really have anything to promote right now because we're in the pandemic, but wear your mask. That's my promotion (laughs) um, for everybody. That's good. I'm I'm into promoting that too. Thank you. I appreciate it, Latifa. Okay, Michael from New York City, Michael Kilgore. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you can find me everywhere on social media at M-Y-K-A-L-K-I-L-G-O-R-E. And also everywhere you can find music, my debut album, A Man Born Black, can be found and streamed and bought and enjoyed. It is delicious. <laughs> and I know you're just going to love it. So, um, so yeah, I, on social media, I'm a social media mischief maker. And in the studio, I'm a baby, make, baby music maker, baby maker, music maker. Okay. All right. Deal. All right. Well, I, will, I will get that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Michael. <laughs> Oh, I I love this is fun. Okay, uh, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Lawrence from yes, uh, from Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me either uh, Level Up Comedy, so at Level Up or yeah at Level Up underscore Comedy on Twitter, um, Level Up Comedy on Instagram, Level Up Comedy DC on YouTube. Also, Glenn Lawrence Comedy. If you just if you don't want the group, you want just me, um, Glenn Lawrence Comedy. You could also check those out on the same um, Instagram, Twitters, all that type of stuff. I like to make people laugh. Uh, there are some things that are coming out um, later that I'm not ready to announce now, but um, perhaps uh, later. Go, go ahead and follow me. I'll, I'll be putting out things, but there'll be some cool content, hopefully, um, coming out a little bit later in the summer. Excellent. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thank you. All right. We're moving on to Tony from San Francisco. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Thanks, Pilar. Yeah, you can find me at Tony Gapastone, T-O-N-Y-G-A-P-A-S-T-I-O-N-E. It's Italian, Capastione. But uh, also my company is Brave Maker Org. You can look up at Brave Maker Org on all the socials and follow some of the productions we're doing. And I've got a couple of shorts on Amazon, uh, neighbor and another one called 1440 and counting with Loretta Devine. And Loretta Devine is also in my newest animated short coming out this summer called Piccolo. So if you follow us on the socials, BraveMaker.org and Tony Capastione, you'll find all that stuff. You're Thanks, getting Paula. some very enthusiastic nods from the other people in this, in this group right now. Um, actually, Tony's going to be a guest on the podcast talking specifically about BraveMaker um, because I believe that there's a, a social component to, to uh, your production company, right? Exactly. Justice, diversity, and inclusion. That's right. Okay. Excellent. All right. So look for Tony on a future podcast. And Thanks, Danielle, Danielle Panak. Um, <laughs> this has been so great, Pilar. Thanks for having all of us. And it's lovely to meet everybody. This is so cool. Um, <laughs> if y'all want to laugh, y'all can find me at hashtag booked, H-A-S-H-T-A-G, booked. <laughs> um, and that's on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Excellent. And you guys should really check it out. You should definitely check it out. Thank you, Danielle. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, we're going to, oh, and of course, listen to Danielle's podcast last week because it was phenomenal. Um, and we're going to Marky in New York City. Marky, anything that you'd like to promote or any social media you'd like people to follow? Um, sort of just getting started on the whole writing and creating business. So 
nothing to promote just yet, but you can follow me on Twitter at MarkyHino30. That's M-A-R-K-Y-H-I-N-O-3-0. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, you're quite welcome. It's been a pleasure. Seamus, how about you? And Seamus from Port Moody, British Columbia. <laughs> Hi. Uh, well, first, thank you again for having me on here today. Uh, I think I mentioned briefly before that uh, I'm a novelist. I write a series of uh, detective novels uh, for a small publisher in Europe uh, because exactly what the world needed was another private detective series, but here we are. <laughs> uh, so uh, you can look me up. I'm on all social Twitter, Instagram, uh, as at SG Heffernan, and my website is SeamusHeffernan.com. Uh, there is a project coming up uh, that I'd like to encourage you all to uh, participate in. Uh, it's November 3rd, 2020. Please get out and vote in your country. Your neighbors are watching very carefully. We care about you a great deal. And I don't think I'll say much further. Thank you so much. What a good message. I appreciate that. We'll do that. I promise. We'll do it. Chris- Democracy is watching. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Christina Robinson. Hey, Christina. How about you? Yeah, so um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Christina Ellison. So that's C H R I S T I N A E L O C I N. It's Christina Nicole backwards. Um, and you can follow me there. And I just want to promote my film festival. I run a film festival called Rejected Reels, where one festival's trash is our treasure. We only play things that have been rejected from other festivals oh what a good idea oh my gosh you're gonna get flooded (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome okay thank you so much christina and you got all your handles out for that for the film festival yeah um it's at rejected reels at rejected at rejected reels on yeah. Excellent. Thank you. You guys, well, oh, you know, of course, what comes next is me reminding everybody to go to onthepage.tv. Um, luckily, I have some some people right in this group who have taken online classes with me, who've done consultations. But the online classes feel like this. Um, it is a group of creatives, just like this. Um, yes, I do a lot of the talking, um, but it is a community of people from all over the world. And if you're interested in being part of a community right now, especially while we're on lockdown, do check it out. The next class is Writing TV. That starts July 11th and goes through August 1st, four Saturdays, and the fourth Saturday is with Carol Kirshner talking to you about the business side of it. I would love to see you there. Thank you again to my wonderful crew here. Unmute yourself, you guys. Unmute yourselves. Okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wait, wait, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to say, have a good writing week. Ready? Okay, so, so thanks to all of you for listening and have a good writing week. Yes. Yes.